Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing. Recorded uh, for this evening at various locales around the metropolitan New York City area. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly, Editor of PW Comics World, and Editor of The Fanatic, PW's twice a month comics and pop culture newsletter. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I'm the editor-in-chief of The Beat at ComicsBeat.com. And you can find us on Twitter at Twitter uh, for now uh, at, at PW Comics World. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer. And you can find us online on Tumblr at PWComicsWorld.tumblr.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to more to come on the Apple Podcast app, on Google Podcasts, and on Stitcher. And on yeah. Facebook, we're... We are at Facebook.com slash PW Comics World. And don't forget, you can rate us on any of those platforms. Uh, leave us a thumbs up or leave us a comment or give us some feedback because we love to hear from our listeners. Talk to us, please. All right. This week on More to Come, Oni, that's Oni Press, y'all, uh, Oni Lion Forge, <laughs> finds a leader. Uh, more somberly, uh, rest in power, Aline kaminsky Crum. Uh, also, Peter David uh, needs help, and we'll take a look back at Anime NYC 2022 and Indie News. So, Heidi, well, Oni, Lion Forge, well, back in the news. We've been talking about Oni since when was it? May, June? I mean, you know, yeah. all summer. Yeah, look at the uh, mess start there. Yeah, the uh, mess. It's hard to remember as you know as 2022 races to a close, but um. Yeah, uh, you might recall back in the day, back in the summer, a bit of a shocker when James Lucas Jones and Charlie Chu, who had been running Oni and were actually co-owners yeah, yeah. of Oni, uh, were, were removed from the company by parent company Polarity and Disclosure. Uh, uh, the beat, which I run, uh, was owned by Polarity for three years. So I, you know, have worked with this, these folks and, um, it was a bit of a shocker, and then more mm. people were laid off. You know, beloved industry figures, Alex Segura, Henry Barajas, uh, Amanda yeah. Meadows, uh, Jasmine Amiri were laid off, and then more people quit. Like, pretty much the whole staff quit, and there was a mm. lot of questions like, who is even running Oni now? And there really hasn't been an answer to that. Um, so Rick Johnson, who is the publishing execution – I mean, I'm not lying. That's his title. He's like the VP of execution – uh, which like who are, you know corporate America just if you're listening I do not understand you do not understand you um, think okay. harder about your titles yeah All right okay. okay time out I'm just gonna run and turn off the oven and I'll be right back okay okay, okay. is this any way to run a podcast sure <laughs> well I, I don't think it's any uh, different than most podcasts that don't have a huge budget. Mm. So, um, so yeah, so there's been a bit of a leadership vacuum and a lot of concern. I mean, we've talked about this other podcast ongoing over the whole, yes. you know, the last six months, really. And, um, you know, Oni is a beloved company, a legacy company. Yes. They have published some of the most incredible comics, you know, Scott Pilgrim, Courtney Crumrin, and, you know, they have the Rick and mm -hmm. Morty license. And Lion Forge, I mean, it is the only Lion Forge publishing group. Lion Forge has, has a backlog of bangers themselves, you know, led by yeah. Gender Queer. Um, yes, absolutely. You know, one of the most important books of the decade, 
and um, you know, Sheets and Upgrade Soul and, and yes, a lot yes. of really great books. So Wither Oni. Well, today we kind of got an answer because they hired a new publisher. Uh, it is a fellow by the name of Hunter Gorenson and who most recently was the executive, uh, the VP of Biz Dev at Boom Studios. But before that, he was at Bad Idea. He was at Valiant. I know he interned yeah. at Marvel. Um, he uh, was uh, at Hive Mind, which is a production company. You know, he's worked yeah. in production and he's really done it all. And I mean, I will say I know Hunter quite well. I worked with him at Valiant. Uh, when he was their marketing director and we had a fabulous relationship, really um, just a pleasure to work with. And, um, you know, we have talked at industry functions and hung out at industry functions mm -hmm. and he's a super smart guy who really knows all about the comics industry, all levels of it. So, you know, if you're going to hire a new president publisher, Hunter Gorenson's a very smart fella to hire for that job. Uh, well, they're they're getting banged for their buck because he's doing everything. I mean, he's 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 announced as uh, what president and publisher, mm -hmm. but he's doing all operations, editorial, marketing, sales, um, and you know, I guess he's closing up the building at night too. So, um, uh, it, but 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 all joking aside, he's clearly extremely experienced. Uh, um, uh, Oni is, or certainly was, a leading independent publisher. And no one wants to see this um, this publishing house disappear. And you know, I'm I did, like Hunter's not doing any interviews for now because, but I will say, you know, we did talk when I got this this press release, mm -hmm. which I I was given a little exclusive window on it. And sure. um, you know, I will say that, and he he said this in his statement in the press release. He is very aware of Oni's legacy and of their place as really just a pioneering indie comics publisher. And, um, you know, Oni's former staff, James Lucas Jones on down was, uh, I don't, I, I hope this doesn't come out the wrong way. It's very Portland centric. Okay. Yes. <laughs> it was, it was very hippy dippy. And, um, you know, I think Hunter comes from a different background, but I, I do think he understands and respects that legacy. And, um, you where, know, where is he based? Is he in the West coast, East coast? Is he going to Portland? Uh, no, I believe he lives in the East Coast because mm. his wife has a job that is East Coast based. So, mm. um, you know, he'll be working remotely. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Kate, um, have you ever dealt with Hunter at any of his various jobs? Nope. Ah, okay. Well, I, I interviewed him, you know, when Bad Idea launched uh, because it's such, it was such an interesting idea. Now, uh, you know, I haven't. I haven't really engaged with Bad Idea much because of their focus is away from the book trade and counterintuitively. But, um, you know, certainly it's a, a very interesting initiative. So um, that you that, frankly, I think only really experienced comics people could even pull off. Mm, yeah. Well, I can't I don't know about you guys, but because I, I you know, I did um, break the news. Uh, I will say, I mean, I was at lunch and, uh, you know, my phone started dinging. I mean, mm -hmm. <laughs> I had so many, all of my, you know, when you say, oh, I was talking to industry insiders. Well, they were all talking, you know, my DMs went nuts. Uh, everybody was talking about this move today and, and, you know, all positive things. Um, yeah. I just think everybody's really glad that somebody's in charge of Oni again. <laughs> yes. I, I, yeah. I couldn't agree more. Uh, it's just too valuable, uh, a press. 
in in the mythology of independent publishing. And of course, just as you said, they have some really really powerful uh, books that they publish that they continue to publish. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. we want someone to save this company. Yeah. So, you know, doubtless more to come on this, as we mm-hmm. say. And, you know, uh, you know, Calvin and I might be competing to see who gets the, you know, intro interview with Hunter. <laughs> but, um, yeah, uh, well, I'm, uh, yeah, well, I'm, I'll lose that battle, I'm sure. Yeah, but well, I'll, a, new, I'm a new person, <laughs> a new person for me to hit, uh, hit up when I do my, you know, state of the industry panels, you know, all future right. comics panels. So there you go. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, uh, I guess on a more somber note, uh, the passing of Aline Kaminsky Crumb, uh, this is really a blue, uh, a blow. Uh, she's a legendary figure. Um, obviously, uh, her marriage to R. Crumb is, uh, you know, also kind of legendary, but, um, as we all know, uh, she is a groundbreaking figure in underground comics in her own right. Uh, it's, um, uh, a powerful blow so soon after the death, the death of, uh, Diane Newman, um, who she worked with. They were both, uh, um, uh, worked, worked together on, uh, uh underground comics. Yeah, Twisted, Twisted, Sisters. Twisted Sister, yeah. 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 The anthology. Um, yeah. yeah. Heidi. And, uh, well, you know, and also Justin Green passed away earlier this year. And I, yes. I, I would just say that, you know, Eileen and Justin uh, were really the pioneers of autobiographical yes. comics. I mean, it seems hard to believe that um, up until they started doing it, really there wasn't a real strong tradition of uh, autobiographical comics in the United States. But that is, you know, what we know, unless there's some, you know, secret pioneer that we haven't found yet, which I wouldn't be surprised if some, some, you know, addict, they found some papers, but certainly Aileen and Justin were the ones who, who, you know, they were the first to do it. And, um, and it was Aileen's, um, you know, so she was part of that whole Bay Area, um, you know, group. Now, I mean, it's very ironic. I mean, I just went to a memorial for Diane Newman. Um, like maybe two weeks ago, three weeks ago. And, um, a lot of speakers were there. Art Spiegelman was there. Karen Green was there. Um, of course, Diane's husband, Bill Griffith was there. Yeah. Um, Bill Cardalopoulos. I mean, you know, really the, the most knowledgeable people about the underground and, you know, Diane's incredible legacy was, was discussed at length. And, you know, Aileen was mentioned so many times because they both started out in women's comics collective. And, you know, look, very famously, there was a huge schism between yeah. mm-hmm. uh, the contributors there. You know, there was the, the kind of the Trina Robbins faction and then there was the Diane and Aileen faction. And, um, you know, one side wanted to be more political. I guess one side wanted to be more personal. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you see that in their work. I mean, it's just, you know, how they do their work. And so, so Aileen and Diane went off and did Twisted Sister, which was another women's mm-hmm. anthology. And, um, but you know, Aileen is really credited with influencing Robert to do yes. comics and which obviously was, you know, one of his most powerful things. And, and I mean, Calvin, I know, you know, I met Aileen. We had a dinner, you and me and Aileen and her publisher. We mm-hmm. had a really wonderful dinner, uh, you know, a long time ago. Yeah. But I do remember it vividly. I mean, because Aileen was such an incredible personality. Well, she was, you know, well, she's had a personality that takes up the whole room without a doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, much like her comics, of course. They they were completely memorable, uh, distinctive, inventive, uh, hyper-inventive. 
um uh it's very interesting that dinner if i'm not mistaken that was the that was um around the publishing of a memoir mm-hmm. that if i'm not mistaken by mqp publishers yes that, that's right and they ended now there was also a schism around that because the the publisher of that book they were very friendly with the crumbs and then ultimately there was a huge and awful falling out uh-oh but that is and so it's very hard to find this book. I've forgotten the details um, of the conflict, but if you can find this book, it is a really extraordinary record of of Aline's life. Yeah, it was kind of her diaries, or, right? Yes, uh, so much about the beginnings uh, of her time in uh, the un- underground comics, also about uh, you know her her collaborators, Latrina Robbins, and and about this. Schism. I mean, obviously, she has her own view of it and how it developed. Um, uh, her, it, it looked into her other art, her painting as well, and then of course her her, her life with R. Crumb. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, somewhere in my belongings, I have an hour interview um, with 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 Robert and Aline about the making of this book. Mm. So, which I've got, I know it's somewhere in my, you know, in, um, uh, in the endless boxes in my apartment. Is it? Is it a? Is it a printed out interview or? A... No, I've never transcribed it. No. Oh, so you? So it's just on a tape or on it's your? It's just on a tape that I have in there that, oh. uh, that I was going to use for something and and didn't really use the whole thing. Well, you better find that, Calvin. Yes. Yeah. Um, but this is if you can find this book and you have to go to used bookstores or or go online uh, to find it. But uh, what's it called? Need More Love, I believe yeah, it's need called. Need More Love. Yeah. But I, I will say that uh, Aline's kind of, um, you know, Lifetime Achievement Award was for um, Love That. I love that bunch. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which was a similar anthology of her work that came out and then Drawn and Quarterly re-released it with a new 40 page story that really was kind of her her summation of her life and you know this this real autobiographical story and um i i will say uh you know she died after a long illness there kind of hasn't been an official statement or anything about it um apparently uh she passed away after a long illness and like her local comic shop like posted the news on social media but kind of prematurely and you know that kind of sucks i will say like the family which is you know she's survived by robert her husband and her daughter sophie uh who also lives i believe she also lives in france and um you know they kind of weren't ready to have this news get out so um you know but it did get out and you know i reported it because i think it's better to have accurate information out there than than you know not inaccurate speculation and all that stuff but um Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people, you know, the tributes have been pouring in. But, you know, it's very unfortunate that 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 happened. But, you know, here we are with the Internet. So it happens. And, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, in addition to you know her passing and, um, yeah, we are losing our giants. And uh, I, without a doubt. And if I could I'm, and, I, and I'm going to point people to uh, Publishers Weekly again, because we did in 20, uh, I believe it was in 2018, we we did an author profile of Aline around um, that Love That Bunch collection, uh, mm-hmm. written by Leela Corman, uh, the cartoonist. Oh, awesome. Uh, and it's it's really quite good. It has a really great background with direct quotes from Aline. So, you know, go to publishersweekly.com. 
uh, slash comics, and you know, if you uh, do a search for Aline, you'll 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 find it, and it's it's a very good profile by Leela. Awesome, awesome. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, uh, check that out, and really. Um, I mean, it's just, it's, yeah, it's just yeah. sad. And, you know, condolences to Robert. I mean, they were like inseparable and, um, yeah. you know, they were truly one of the, the great comic book couples of yes, all times. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, including their, the, the work that they did together, those collaborations, uh, that they did later for the, well, for Weirdo and for the New Yorker. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, and what did, did didn't Justin Green pass in early in yeah he twenty twenty two yeah he passed away yeah. in I believe, March or April and, yeah so um, it's really been a tough year it is and uh, I I mean I feel so bad I, I saw Carol Tyler who was who was mm, yeah. married to Justin Green and you know she was also close to Aileen mm. and uh, a lot of people were I mean literally you know a Phoebe Gleckner I just saw Phoebe Gleckner another underground cartoonist uh, yeah. you know warning Diane Newman and and then yeah. she was posting on social media so um yeah it's a very it's 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 it's, it's a very somber time. It's just a reminder that well, we need to really um, honor our greats while they are around. Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, around to be to uh, uh, enjoy it. So, yes. Well, on to livelier matters. Um, yes. New anime NYC. Ah, uh, yes. Sadly, listeners, our uh, attendance at anime NYC was cut a bit short by Calvin's COVID diagnosis. Uh, which, you know, sorry about that. Anime yeah, we, we didn't want to become a super spreader podcast, so we did what I'm we had to do fine. in the way of attendance. Just fine, um, but luckily, yeah. uh, Calvin and Heidi got some attendance in before we got the fatal news. So, and some other people covered the rest of the convention, so we've still got some stuff to report. Yeah, uh, Anime NYC 53,000 attendance. I like it's a slight rise over last year. Um, it looked like most of the big publishers were back, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, we have a report at publisherswiki.com slash comics, uh, by, um, by Bridget Alverson. Uh, so, um, uh, uh, Heidi, uh, did you, well, you didn't, you weren't, I was only up there one day. Uh, so, of- you know, I went on Saturday for like an afternoon mm-hmm. and I mean, I have to be honest, you know, this like like anime shows are not my bailiwick. You know, I mean, I appreciate I saw a few people, but, um, you know, it's much more Bridget's. It's Bridget's beat, you know, and Erica yeah, Friedman. That, I mean, I saw, you know, Bridget and Erica Friedman, other friend of the podcast were there. And, um, you know, come to think of it, I have a podcast with them that I need to post. I forgot about it and all the excitement. So we should do that right <laughs> after this. But, um, how the sausage is made. I, <laughs> I know, right? Just the memory got jogged. Um, but, uh, you know, if I can plug the beat, I will say, uh, actually, you know, Deb Aoki, who's, who's normally our, uh, you know, um, manga expert. She was not yes. there because she was off in Japan at the source. Uh, but kind of someone who's a, a, kind of a protege of hers, uh, Marion Pena, he wrote for the beat. We have two, if I may just plug the beat, we have two pretty yeah. awesome, uh, reports. One by Marion and one by Ricardo Serrano Dennis. And, um, you know, they both have the highs and lows and the winners and losers. They have two different, you know, perspectives. Like, you're like, Ricky is kind of a dabbler. Uh, Marion, oh my God, he knows every single thing about it. And his report is really, really, really in depth about what worked and what didn't, who was there, you know, what companies were there. Uh, I will say, even from my cursory, um, uh, 
walk around that there was a lot more manga publishers there than there yeah. have been in the past. Yeah. Also, can I want to correct uh, uh, a statement I made that's incorrect. Uh, now that I've looked at our story very quickly, it, this year's attendance was 55,000 fans up from last year's 53,000. Mm-hmm. So just okay. to, uh, just to correct that. But absolutely. Cause last year, um, uh, many of the big publishers were not on the floor, but the big three were back this year. Viz Media, Kadacha, Yen and Yen Press, uh, although Yen Press was there last year. But Viz was not, nor was Kadanja. Uh, all of the, uh, many of the independents were also back. Dimpa, Faku, One Piece Books. Uh, and of course, J Novel Club was there. And, uh, there was a sizable artist alley, uh, uh, of about 300 individual creators. Um, uh, the show took over, you know, basically was the, 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 the entire main floor. Uh, and with uh, other, you know, things in the uh, Crystal Palace, you know, in, in that area above. But, uh, it was a great turnout. Even on Friday, there was, there were good crowds there. I didn't get back the rest of the weekend, but there were certainly good crowds there on Friday. Um, uh, and in addition to what we've been seeing is that more and more content besides Japanese content is, is showing up on the floor also. You know, Chinese and Korean. Uh, in particular now as we live in the, the, the period of growth of the, uh, the webtoon, pla- webtoon, yeah. uh, style platforms, uh, like Tapas and, and others. So Kate, was there anything that you noticed of news or, you know, social media coming out of the show that caught your eye? Um, actually not a lot. Um, I have to say that anime conventions in the United States are not known for major announcements except for you know maybe some of the older and more established ones um you know usually you'll hear you know something coming out of anime expo or something but it no no nothing really popped up on my radar to be absolutely honest uh anime nyc is a great young con i i really enjoy and respect it and i regretted not being able to go this year but um, I haven't really seen it as a news hub, to be honest. Mm. Well, let's. See. There was a there were a few things uh, announced by I think. Um, uh, let's see. J Novel Club announced a new deal with Yen Press uh, to do print editions of some stuff. Uh, let's see. I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, and that's about it. Yeah. There weren't a lot, uh, yeah. Which basically uh, echoing what uh, Kate said that, that that there there aren't there weren't a lot of announcements necessarily. It's it's a yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's <laughs> yeah, not really sorry. what it's for yet. Yeah, it may get there eventually. All right. Um, so yeah, anime NYC. Well, wait, I, I just, I'm sorry, I was on, I was on mute. Uh, you know, one thing I, I did really, everything we said about New York Comic Con about anime winning was really backed up at anime NYC. I mean, it was like, you know, it sold out on Saturday. Um, you know, there was a waiting list for the major panel, which was 
uh, the creator of Death Note. What apparently? Oh yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, it was peaceful. There wasn't any riots or anything like that. But there was a lot of confusion about who got to get in and who got to go to the panel. Um, I mean, it was very popular. I got there very early on Saturday morning, like you know, about eleven o'clock, which is is pretty early. And it wasn't that it wasn't that crowded. I was just walking around a little bit, and I was thinking, huh, not a big crowd. But you know, I only left. I was only there until about two o'clock. And by the time I left, it was packed. Okay, and, um, you know, it's just absolutely clear that, uh, you know, anime and manga are incredibly powerful and, (laughs) you know, yeah, Yeah, uh, the attack on Titan. The Attack on Titan creator was was in the you know the special events hall that that the massive like what's a twenty three twenty four hundred seat hall mm-hmm. special events hall that was filled to capacity. Um, apparently, there's some controversies around the ending of uh, Attack on Titan, but the fans right. were just yeah. they were yeah. just very yeah. Happy. Sorry, I said Death Note creator. It was the Attack on Titan creator? Yeah, it was Attack yeah. on Titan. Uh, Big rookie I, era, rookie era. Sorry, guys. That's all right. <laughs> yeah, it's so, yeah. um. At this, uh, it's been discussed among fans as as one of the top five most U turn. Oh my God, what just happened? Uh, ending arcs of any anime. It kind of did not go where people were expecting it to, and some people felt that perhaps unintentionally it seemed to have a really messed up moral of the story. Uh, it, a lot of people interpreted it as saying like, well, you know, you got to kill the other side or they'll kill you. <laughs> ah, might makes right. And I don't think that's what the creator intended, but people felt it kind of came off that way. Sometimes, sometimes we don't think about the implications of the stories we tell. Yeah. So it's a little controversial, but people still love the world building anyway. Yeah. No, apparently uh, there was some trepidation yeah. <laughs> in its bump yeah. Kadansha. But really the fans, uh, you know, according to our story, the fans really there came there to shower uh, their love. Yeah, on, yeah, they, uh, they are a little better behaved series. than Game of Thrones fans. Uh, they, they did not <laughs> they did not stage a rebellion at the convention. <laughs> and I, we should also mention uh, what the the, uh, the Korean-American writer Turtle Me. Mm, yes, he has a, a really extremely popular uh, webtoon series, the, the beginning after the end. So he uh, uh, he was apparently a hu- hugely popular. Yeah. So, yes. yes. Oh, yeah. No, there was. Listen, this is, um, you know, as someone who is like manga aware, because that's what my job is and I need to be aware of it. But, you know, I am not like I don't wake up and read manga, but uh, an awful lot of people do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and I, I see numbers. Well, I was on the floor. I did. I, I did have a chance to, ch- to chat just a little bit with Eric Cole Udon Pressy. He was there, and he seemed very happy with the with uh, with the show. I also got a chance to talk with Ed Chavez just a little bit on Friday, um, uh, who was there with Dempa, um, mm-hmm. and I picked up a volume of Heavenly Delusions, which is one of their series that I've seen to be, have become hooked on. So. Awesome. Shout out to Ed. So going back to the sad. <laughs> oh yeah, we need to. We can't, yeah. Yeah, we can't leave out. Yeah. Well, Peter David, yeah. uh, the famous comics writer, uh, is uh, had some health setbacks, and he apparently had some mini strokes and um, some other issues, and he's hospitalized right now. And uh, but he, you know, he is. 
he is recuperating, but the family has launched a uh, Indigo uh, GoFundMe um, for his medical care, which is expected to be, you know, five figures. So, um, you know, please go and, and uh, help support. You know, our comics creators yeah. uh, who are aging, as we just have been talking about, uh, a lot of them are, if not uninsured, extremely mm. underinsured. Yeah. 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 There's a reason the Hero Initiative exists. Um, unfortunately, comics are not a unionized industry by and large, and a lot of the comics publishers have not really stepped up to take care of their creators. So it's, you know, when somebody's got a really significant health condition, it can add up fast, even if they're yeah. successful in the business. No, without a doubt. So, so it's good to hear he's on the men. And- yeah, I mean, it does. It does. I mean, we'll say one thing that cracked me up is that the news kind of broke on TMZ, which is you know reserved <laughs> you, for um, yeah. celebrity yeah. news. You and- don't. You don't tend to think of Tim, TMZ going after comics writers. Yeah, <laughs> right. I feel like it's a uh, you've arrived. I mean, it's, yes, that's got to be must- the most bittersweet you've you've arrived it, ever. On it must be something. Yeah, <laughs> I was featured on TMZ. On the other hand, because I had a stroke. Uh, yeah. Get well yeah. soon. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, I know Peter well enough to know that, um, you know, if he's alert enough to know this, he's getting a big laugh out of it. And, yeah. um, you know, definitely enjoying that, that the, I don't know if the irony is the right word, but the, you know, absurdity, the absurdity of his illness being promoted on uh, TMZ. And uh, just checking out. Um, his GoFundMe right now, actually, to see how it is doing. And it is has an $80,000 goal. It says $62,000. So, you know, they could still use a few more. And, um, uh, you know, Peter is a uh, creator, you know, memorable run <laughs> on the Hulk and, you know, novelist. Uh, he has just done so much for the industry. And, um, you know, really, he is a legend. And so, um, you know, wishing him well, wishing him a, a swift recovery from this. So, Heidi, indie news. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, we have, as we normally do, we have a bunch of kind of little stories about companies, you know, periodical publishers. Uh, for instance, AWA uh, has established a new creative council, which includes, let's see, who is in this creative council? Um uh, yeah, so AOA has announced a creative council with a bunch of, you know, all-stars. Reginald Hudlin, the director, and uh, Greg Hurwitz, the best-selling author. Um, Jay Michael Straczynski. Yeah. yeah. Um, Joseph Kaczynski, who directed Top Gun Maverick. Some say the best movie of the year. Uh, Al Madrigal and Leita Calogridis, uh, yeah. the revered screenwriter. And... Uh, you know, they will be, according, they will help shape the overall evolution of AWA's creator-driven mission and to redefine the cutting edge of storytelling. The council's guidance will benefit IDW's age roster of writers and artists by helping unleash the full potential of their characters. <laughs> uh, excellent. Very good. Well, yeah. great. Uh, yeah. What a great uh, thing. All right. Another story here. Six IDW projects in TV development. I uh, got this press release, and I was very busy today, so I didn't have time to look at it, and I wish I had, because actually the shows that are in development are quite interesting, yeah. including Bacchus by Eddie Campbell. I'm excited over that. I, I'm not familiar with the other, but I'm familiar with Bacchus, which if you're not familiar with it, it's really 
Eddie Campbell at his best. It's well, it really is, it is about uh, the gods of ancient Greece under the present day, but which is, you know, the basis of American gods and Lore mm. Olympus and like every other thing. But Eddie's take on it is very unique to Eddie. Yep, as own. always. Yes, as always. And, uh, you know, basically yeah. they're just all at the pub. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, always, it's always, it's based around, you know, Bacchus, the, you know, like what the, the god of, I guess, of the, drinking, the, Calvin, of drinking, drinking, drinking mm-hmm. and celebration and raising hell. Yeah, well, so, another one on here is, I'm, I'm, Calvin, I'm surprised you don't know Dragon Puncher and Spoonie. I don't. That is a, <laughs> one of J- James Kachalka's, a very oh. prolific James Kachalka. Yeah, sure. One of his kids' books. And, you know, I, I actually mm-hmm. love James's work, too. Sure. And, uh, you know, very whimsical. That's being developed. By Holly Huckins of Recess, Angela Anaconda, and Sheriff Kelly. Uh, Bacchus is being developed by the people behind Man vs. Bee and How to Train a Dragon. Uh, let's see, Corgi is another one. That's a really cute comic about a corgi, a very cute little dog. That's <laughs> okay. being directed by Ori Wallington of Spirit Riding Free. Let's see, The Lodger. I don't know that one. That is, um, oh, David and Maria Lapham. Their graphic novel about oh, a young woman David bent Lampin. on revenge. Oh. Yeah, good oh. one. Uh, oh. Relic of the Dragon. Brian Q. Miller joins the showrunner for the, based on the name, graphic novel by Adrian Benatar and Miguel Angel Garcia. I don't know that one. Uh, I'm sure it's very good. And Satellite Falling. Uh, Will Pascoe of Orphan Black will be the showrunner. Uh, the book by Steve Horton, Stephen Thompson, and Martin Morazzo. Uh, very good. Uh, well, six very good comics. Uh, you know, some good people attached. Um, and not even on our story list. Let me see. What else uh, I do I have here in my email box today? Uh, I'm sure I have some others. Well, here's a story from Aftershock about... Um, one of their books got optioned in Australia for Australian TV. Um, I just, my email's full, full of all this stuff. A little packed, you know, little, little packs between small publishers and we went to Diamond, all these things. I, I, anyway, the reason why I sound a little bit jaded by all this is that there's, I, I, I am hearing, you know, 2020 and 2021, people were stuck at home and reading sword, all kinds of reading sword, comic book reading sword. You know, now people's 2022, you know, COVID is over, except for people like Calvin, who are still catching it for the first time. Calvin, you are not the only person I know who has caught it for the first time. I I made it through two and a half years. Yeah. And now I get it. My social media is full of people like you who haven't had it for two and a half years and are just getting it for the first time. So it is still out there. People are still catching COVID. Luckily, it's a lot less. But I feel um, good, folks. I'm, yeah, I feel yeah, good. Yeah. And um, But the point is people are going out in the world and doing things and maybe not reading quite as much. And so I see a lot of uh, just publishers kind of putting out these little press releases because I am hearing that there's kind of a glut of – periodical comics from these publishers. I mean, there's so many of these publishers, Mad Cave and Scout, AWA, Aftershock. Um, Not uh, not counting the online variety. TKO, yeah. I mean, well, yeah, you know, Comixology Originals. um, Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, IDW just relaunched with all their new stuff. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Image keeps putting out their books. Uh, Oh, by the way, Dark Horse has a new imprint every week. Every week. Uh, Substack Comics, they're all going to publishers. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's a thing called... um, 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 Z, I can't even remember the name of it. Uh, the, the other 
uh, oh, Zest World. Zest World, yes. Yeah. Bad name. Sorry, yeah. guys. Bad name. Uh, Zest World is launching all those things. There's an awful lot. Everybody's working. Everybody's working. Anyway, I'm just hearing there's maybe a little bit of uh, a glut for some of this stuff. Yeah. And, you know, everybody's trying to kind of position themselves to um, get out there. But, you know, Calvin, when we went over this topic in our pre-show, you said <laughs> – well, I said anytime things are going well in comics, uh, it seems to me comics people say it's a glut. <laughs> um, so, I mean, that's kind of the mentality. Now, let's face it. We are in a boom period. And, you know, this is capitalism. And it's there. The, the cycle is, t- to some degree, boom and bust. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But yeah. we're, we're certainly in a period now where we've never seen um, so many different kinds of comics being published. We're seeing innovation in how comics are delivered to consumers. We've seen a a a, 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 a what a, a fracturing of the distribution model. Um, uh, there's just more comics, uh, more ways for artists to publish comics than we've ever seen before. So yeah. that's the good news. Yeah, and you can turn yeah. it around. And the bad news may be, geez, there's more comics than we've ever seen before. Yeah, so and. I mean, frankly, this isn't the first time that we've seen a lot of deals for a lot of comics and a lot of things don't get made. And that's not about comics. That's about television and movies. Like a huge percentage of option properties end up in development hell. And that's sad but true. But, you know, the good thing is that even if your book doesn't get made into a movie or TV show after all, you still get some money out of it. So – Here's hoping that everybody ends up with a happy ending of some kind. Well, I do think that's a, always, a, a for me, an area of concern. Uh, you know, the the uh, the search for the, the Holy Grail at, in Hollywood and film and TV. Um, uh, that, 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 nothing wrong with it. We love to see these things turned into, uh, into other media as well. Uh, sometimes the tail wags the dog, it seems. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. yeah but, uh, you know, Christina Merkler of, uh, DCBS and uh, the head of Lunar Distribution, uh, on my future of comics panel at New York Comic Con said, you know, she did the mic drop, uh, which was, you know, when an anime airs on Netflix or Crunchyroll, uh, there is a huge run on the printed comics mm-hmm. the next day. Yep. Yep. And she said that doesn't happen with a 500 million dollar marvel or dc movie um you know they don't see that and i i will say uh you know i made a a tiktok about this just to try to pretend to be hip with the kids but i saw (laughs) these two you know teens at anime nyc and there was a standee a standee not the real thing of chris evans and they were like who is that like chris uh, Chris Ev- Evans? Was he yeah. in character? No, he wasn't. He was well, just, if he yeah. wasn't in character, then who cares, yeah. right? Yeah, but like, I, if you're well, at a convention, he's but just I, I heard but, point, but Can I finish my anecdote before you? Her point is you? well taken, though. For yeah, but no, that's not even the end of the anecdote. Okay. Okay? Oh, okay. Because then they were like, oh, it's Chris Evans. I'm like, oh, yeah. And then the, the girl said, you know, my mom is into Marvel stuff. <laughs> and I was hanging out. I had Friendsgiving uh, with uh, some folks who I didn't know. And they all had kids. The kids raised from – there was like uh, some young adult contingent in their early 20s, uh, all just graduated from college. And um, some kids who were just, you know, kind of going like, like going into high school. Um, and they all knew manga. I mean they were all like – when I asked them yeah. – 
you know, what they read, they were like, and they knew Laura Olympus. Um, and they actually, one of them asked, do you know who Gene Yang is? Have you read Hoop Dreams? Okay. And I was like, oh, no, there's going to be a CV show. So that impressed me. But, um, you know, and then I was like, you know, quizzing the, the hell out of these kids. And I was like, well, what about Marvel? Do you like Marvel? And they kind of said the same thing. It was like, oh, you know, I feel like little kids like Marvel. We've kind of outgrown it now. And, um, well, there you go. <laughs> look, this could be the topic of a whole podcast. New generation. Yeah, new but the new generation. Gener- listen, I, you know, we talked about when Marvel and DC were doing the Webtoon experiment, which they're doing in Ooh. very different ways. And Batman Family um, Adventures has, has, you know, landed with the Webtoon audience. But, uh, you know, guys, I think you really need to go to these audiences where they live because they are so much more into the day I turned into a slime yep. than they are, you know, Gotham Knights. Absolutely. And, you know, obviously these are global properties too because they're all yeah. online. Well, Kate, yeah. what do you think? Kate, do you, what do you, what do you think? Well, I mean, I think, I honestly think that there's kind of a gap in Marvel entertainment. Um, there's super, super mainstream movies. And then there's like cartoons aimed at kids. And uh, unless you happen to be a kid who makes it to a older kid who makes it to a comic shop or is in some way, you know, introduced to the graphic novels, there may be a gap in the pipeline between the ages of about nine and like, 15, um, you know, some of it's generational. Like, it's never cool to like what your parents like. And if your parents like Marvel, then it's not cool. But part of it is just that there's not a lot of stuff really that hits the, yeah. the tween and teen market no. with Marvel no. that, that is successful. And like, I mean, you know, yeah. yeah. And I mean, no, my, mom is, my mom likes – you know, my mom likes this is the most devastating put down you could possibly <laughs> you can't have. Say. I think you were. You're right about that. I think, you know, the, the movies have been going on since 2008. So yeah. I mean, he's right. Yeah. Well, you know, these kids, a- these kids were probably like, you know, 15, 16 years old. So, you know, their mom is probably just in her late 30s, early 40s, you know. Yeah, around there, yeah. she's not that old. And, and also, these characters, I think, we're, there's a generation. These characters are movie characters. Yeah, they're not comics characters. They're not reading characters. They yeah. they 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 want to see them in the movies. They're not they're not reading about them in books. They're reading, you know, they're reading manga. They're reading webtoons. They're reading them online. They're reading a, a different kind of story and a different kind of comics when it comes to comics. So, um, you know, these traditional comics publishers, and I think they see the writing on the wall, too, because they they're trying to get on these platforms. So, yeah, it's 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 a new world and and there's a new generation and they're they have a a much bigger menu of comics to read from than we did. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think part of it is is that, unfortunately, for all the movies have have, you know, given some notability to the books. They've also overshadowed them and they may get out of that shadow eventually. But right now, right now it's a long, long shadow. Mm. So we'll see. Yeah. You know, there's another headline we had here uh, in our story list. Kate, maybe you could talk about this. Uh, Disney signs with Kodansha 
for yep. anime originals on Disney Plus. Yeah. So if you've noticed, if you look on Disney Plus, there's all the stuff you expect, and then there's like one K drama and one anime, and apparently they're a sign of things to come if Disney has anything to say about it and. Disney billions mean you always have something to say about it. So uh, anime has been a real jewel in the crown for most of the major streaming services, for Netflix, for Amazon Prime, as well as for Crunchyroll, which is, you know, obviously anime-centric. And Disney has previously been very big on Disney-created content, but... I, I think they can't resist that sweet, sweet anime clicks. So they have made a deal with Kodansha um, that they're going to be bringing some quote unquote originals to Disney Plus. But I don't know that they're going to really be created specifically for Disney Plus. My guess from the like sort of edgy wording of it, sort of talking around, is I think it's probably going to come exclusively and first to Disney mm. Plus in English. My guess is that these are anime that will probably already be things that were in the pipeline for Japan. Yeah. Um, uh, um, which, frankly, is probably better than yet another. Like, this is totally an, a one-off anime about Disney characters, you guys. We swear it's a real anime. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm interested in seeing that. You know, just to kind of highlight this, I just got a PR press release from Crunchyroll. Uh, you know, there's a big show on right now called CCXP uh, in Brazil, and it's like the, the, the you know they just released all the like they dropped the Gardens of the Galaxy three trailer, the Indiana Jones five trailer. Anyway, uh, Crunchyroll made some announcements there. I'm just going to read a couple of the titles of these new anime that is going to be streaming on Crunchyroll. Bo Furry. I don't want to get hurt, so I'll max out my defense. Season two. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, and. This one sounds intriguing. The reason why Raylena ended up at the Duke's mansion. Um, okay. And then, you know, a lot of these are based on light novels. Uh, also, chilling yeah. in my 30s after getting fired from the Demon King's army. Um, <laughs> the titles are the best. You know, one, th- then I've been talking, as I said, I talked to a lot of industry insiders today, and I said, when are Amakame, which is what the Japanese called American comics, going to figure out that these titles are what teens and young readers are really clued into. You know, the only one who's gotten it is James Tinian with the yeah. kids, you know, something, someone who's killing the children, the nice house in the lake. Um, yeah. re- uh, a couple more because they're so much fun. Sorceress, Stabber, Orphan, Chaos, and Urban Rama. The third season of that. So uh, A Galaxy Next Door, and I like this one, My Clueless First Friend. Yeah. Well, I mean, these titles are very much – they're – they're intentionally humorous, humorous clickbait. Yeah. Like people, I will, people find, especially younger people, including millennials find clickbait style headlines to be ludicrous and parodying clickbait style headlines to be pretty funny. And it, it both, it works both ways as both like a joke on the ridiculousness of clickbait and as clickbait, uh, it's kind of genius. And I don't know if it's just American translators making it sound more clickbaity or if it really is that gloriously ludicrous in the original Japanese or Chinese. But 
I honestly think it's a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I hope there's more to come on that because at least it gives you some idea of what the show or book is about instead of the American trend of I'm going to pick one word and it might be a character's name. And that's the title. Oh, oh my God. I mean, that was a joke about image. You know, it's like, you know, steel and, you know, the dome and I can't, I'm just looking at things in my apartment and reading the words. Uh, (laughs) I should just find this, uh, die, die, die. Um, you know, the fewer words, the better for American comics. And you know what? That is not the trend. It clearly is not. Wake up and smell the coffee. I mean, frankly, these titles remind me of emo song titles. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. that's the world we live in. Yeah. Flashback, All right. So pay you know? attention, I mean, American publish. Pay attention. So, you know, I think it's fun. I think there's a lot more. Like, there's a lot of creativity, but there's also a lot of one-upsmanship where, like, someone will be like, okay, Isekai is the thing. And then people do a take on Isekai. And then people do a take on the take on it where they're like, Okay, so I'm going to be Isekai'd as the villain. But then it's like, but so many people are Isekai'd as the villain. I'm going to be Isekai'd as the villain, but I'm going to be bad at it. And mm-hmm. it's going to be funny. And then uh, I'm going to be, two of us are going to be Isekai'd, and both of us aren't going to know. I, I mean, like, it just, there's a lot of one-upsmanship to the point where it sometimes turns into in-jokes. But, you know. And, it, and Isekai is the name of this genre, right? Right. Well, Isekai is one of the popular genres that has this type of title. It's also applied. These types of titles are also applied to a lot of other things. But Isekai is also known in English as portal fantasy. So basically, people who are from our world end up in another world and they might have fallen through a portal. They might have uh, woken up in somebody else's body. They might have been sent there by magic. Uh, you know, any, any, any one of these options, so right? It's, so it's like when I was a teenager and like, uh, you know, I imagined that I was swept off to a world where, uh, I had to fight alongside Wolverine and Namor. Yeah. Exactly. I get it. Sure. Yes. It's, it's <laughs> like that. It's like, like Narnia or whatever, only because Japan and China, which both do a lot of isekai, uh, although isekai is a Japanese word, um, are cultures that have a lot of emphasis on reincarnation. Um, often people, it's sort of treated as if you've been now reincarnated into this new world. Although oftentimes you show up there as an adult, so it's not really true reincarnation, but it's kind of like, okay, this is my world now and my body now. I'm, I'm not going home. Yeah, but it's a great it's a great storytelling convention, though. It's a great storytelling convention. Um, if you're creative, you can make something great out of it. If you're not creative, it can become very samey very quickly, because in the last like five years, there's been massive amounts of isekai. It's been an isekai boom, mm-hmm. um, but it's created a lot of good stuff. And you know, it's just like in the '70s, there was a whole lot of post-apocalyptic going around, and there was a lot of good post-apocalyptic and a lot of uh, mediocre. You know, there. Yeah. It's you know, there, there is a lot mm-hmm. of comics are genre fiction, okay? And like, if you study yes. the, if you study the, uh, the sales patterns of genre fiction, for instance, you know, the most popular genre is romance, right? Although I believe mm-hmm. horror is also very close. And both of these 
are like potato chips. You know, let's be honest. Yeah. It's like, you know, if you like a romance, you go out and you buy, you subscribe to Harlequin or whatever. And, you know, you have the romance, the type you like. Yeah. And you, you get six of them a month and, you know, they get you through. And then horror is the same. There's all these horror series. Same with mystery. Mystery, you know, yes. famous detectives and everything. And manga operates on the same level. Now, you know, there was a time when superhero comics were a genre like this, where it's like, oh, I want to read my my science fiction fantasy about, you know, superhuman beings. And I just, I don't know, somehow we've kind of lost that, I think. Well, well I think I it mean, got a little rigid. One of the things that you also, just very briefly, there these, these genres that you mentioned, particularly romance and horror, they've spawned scores of subgenres. Yeah. Uh, right, really, and so have superheroes. They have, true. I think but it's yeah. a little, little bit more rigid. I think it's, it, it, but the thing is now, there's so much more room for all kinds of genres, including superhero genres, to expand and find readership. Digital publishing has been a huge part of that. Absolutely. This is the glut that I think people are talking about, which is that there's more, there's more choice and more kind of titles available to more kinds of readers. Now the publishers have to figure out a way to make money doing this, but. We, People don't have to feel like, oh, why would I read comics? There's nothing that I want to read. That, yeah. that, that's over. Yeah. Yes. And also, I mean, part of this is the democratization that the Internet and web comics. Yes. It, and yes. Web novels, because a lot of these light novels, they don't start out in print. Yes. They start out as web novels and only the very cream of the crop end up in print and end up translated into English. Um, so web webtoons, web comics, web novels, a lot of times they're started by enthusiastic amateurs and there's a low barrier to entry, yep. which is great because it means that a lot of creative or risky ideas or just ridiculous ideas rise to the surface in a way that, you know, maybe a publisher wouldn't have been able to financially take a chance on until it's already proven itself out as self-published. Yeah, no, All absolutely. Right. But Listen, the things that readers expect from their genre fiction are changing and adapting. Yes. And uh, legacy comics publishers take heed. Yeah. And, and before we round this out or in this up, I just want to uh, 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 hype a story on Publishers Weekly. We uh, Bridget Alverson did a profile of Avery Hill Publishing. Uh, a, a a wonderful small publisher based in the UK, but has a a a really a growing audience in the American mo market. In, in many ways, because of Tilly Walden, uh, mm. they were they were the one of the they were the first publisher. I mean, to release her work, she publishes for other publishers now, bigger publishers, first, second, uh, Boom, and others. Though she continues to publish uh, with Avery Hill, and she has a backlist there, but her. Uh, I think I think her book Alone in Space really kind of uh, put Avery Hill on the map. Uh, yeah, and I mean I I mean we've been following Avery Hill. I mean they're not new. I think it's their tenth anniversary. They've been around a while. Uh, yes, it is. It's our tenth anniversary. Absolutely yeah. stellar. The level yes. of quality. I mean, you know, like Avery Hill's like Self Made Hero and some other small British yes, presses that, mm. that they're just the qual. You know, look, we were just talking about a, a glut. Like all the books they put out are so unique and so beautiful. Yep. And so interesting. And, you know, I always, if it comes from Avery Hill, I always give it a, a read and check it out because yeah. their, their quality is so high. So, yeah. Co-founded by, co by Ricky Miller and Dave White. That's right. That's right. So, yeah, a very good one. Um, well, uh, 
You know, you know what I watched on Disney Plus is uh, I'll give a little plug here. Chris Hemsworth in Limitless over the holiday. You know, he's so pleasant to watch him be tortured. It's really good stuff. So <laughs> okay. I, I recommend that. <laughs> there you go. All right. So are we wrapping things up here? I think we are. I think we are. Well, remember I think to we are. Check us out on uh, subscribe. Hit that like button. You know, smash it. And uh, as always, there will be. Four to come.